Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi everyone, Kevin McDonald here, and today I'm interviewing Sam Chick. Now, Sam Chick is somebody who's been building up a property business over the past period of time, and he's doing some really great stuff in property. So what I want to do is have a chat with him about how he got started in property and and how what he's doing, so maybe that can inspire you or help you with your journey. So thank you for joining us, Sam. Um, before we get going, Sam, just for the audience that are listening in, and this is going out across our different platforms, and let people know a little bit about you and maybe what you were doing before you thought about property. And I guess... Why property then? So what was that moment where you thought to yourself, do you know what, maybe I'll get started in property? Um, I don't really know what it was. Really. I think ever since I've been young, my uncle was into property, so I thought I would, um, you know, sort of a good thing to get into. I like everything. I like the deals of it. I actually like making an awful house into a good house. I like the whole fundamentals of it. Um, we bought our first property four or five years ago now which wasn't the um, best property at all. We had a whole world of problems, but I probably learned more from that one property going badly than what I could have done from, so it was a godsend in a way, you know, we had, you know, it's name that people would have just leaving the cookers on and going out for the day. And I'd go there and the heating would be on sort of 30 degrees and the back door would be wide open. Um, a rat chewed through one of the water pipes, a push fit water pipe and the ceiling come down, which was, um, like nine, seven o'clock at night, walking through like two inches worth of water. Um, so that was the first deal. Um, that was the first one, actually. Yeah, that first deal is what I do call the entrance fee. The it was awesome. Actually. I really enjoyed it, but I didn't. Um, them sort of problems don't really bother me. You know, so quite a lot of people say to me, "Oh, how do you do that? And how do you cover it?" But yeah, it doesn't really. It's just a little problem, isn't it? You know. <laughs> What may I know you said like that your your uncle was in property and stuff and you've kind of been a part of it all your life. But what did you yeah. start doing? What were you doing as a day job like four years ago? Clearly, you're not straight out. You know, not that you're you're younger than me, obviously, but you weren't straight out of school four years ago. Sure. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> what, what were you up to? So I was a I'm an electrical engineer by trade. Okay. Even when I've done my apprenticeship, I've always kind of been into houses, know how a you know a house goes together. At what point you know electrician should come in, a plumber should come in. Um, so I'm an electrical engineer by day-to-day now, but I've handed my notes in. So by September, I'll be full-time in property, and from the end of March, I'll be going down to three days a week to sort of phase them out. Okay. Which is working sort of three days a week from that, um, the end of March till September, and I'll be completely five days a week into property. That's really smart as well. That's exactly what I did as well, um, uh, Sam, is I went three days a week, then I gave it six months and then quit. So very similar yeah. sort of journey. Yeah, um, it's nice about that buffer, isn't it, really? Mm. Your, your first deal, you said about um, leaving the cooker on and stuff. So take it, that was a house of multiple occupation? Yeah, it was a HMO, yeah. Right. That's a mini, mini HMO. Um, it was okay. I'm probably making it a lot worse than it was, but it just wasn't. They're not like the deals we're doing now, put it that way. So what are you, how, how many, is HMO your main strategy? Is that what you focus on mainly? Yeah, so HMO is the main strategy. Um, those two were sort of professional HMOs, the first two, and now we just focus on shooting HMOs. Okay, and what, what location are you in? Where are you based? Uh, we're in Norwich. In Norwich. So Nor- Norwich University, obviously, yes, quite a good area. Yeah, um, 
And are you buying the properties with your own funding? Are you doing joint ventures? How are you funding the, the, the properties? So at the moment, we buy them all with our own finance um, and literally just do it, funding the property, funding the refurb. Some of them we buy on a bridge. So we sort of, um, we put sort of 30% in initially and then so they pay for the development costs and then we remortgage it onto an actual mortgage product after the term. Right, and um, the sort of the properties you're buying. So you're buying. Are you buying a HMO that's already a HMO? Or for anyone listening, in, by the way, who's new to property, a HMO is a house in multiple occupation, so a multi-let property. So what you're buying? What just a rundown, empty single-let house or a rundown type single-let, and then converting yeah. it? Is that right? Yeah, we're buying houses. Um, the worst, the best. You know, I went to view a property the other day, and that family reviewing it before me and they literally walked in and one second, two second, three second, they're out. So wow, that was quick. And they were just oh it's the worst as I've ever been in. But I thought this is a brilliant house. It was great. It was all like and half eaten pasta dishes and pizza boxes everywhere, tobacco all on the side and smelled bad. But for me, you know, that's a good house. It's a fundamentals of being a good property. So we buy them as a three bedroom sort of residential house. And um, in quite a state knowing that we're going to have to just redo the whole lot and then we bring them up to a high standard um, i mean even if you go into our local area and go on right move the property is the highest first even the top two top three they're not particularly nice houses all the shooting and they're not all of them. there's some that are nice and nice but quite a lot of them are outdated there's mold and then sort of soggy floors in the bathroom and um, the one we just done we actually had 48 people queuing up to view it to rent it, which is pretty good, pretty good going, really. That, that's what I say about those type of houses. If it smells bad, that's the smell of cash. That's the that's smell of profit. Smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, able to use the, the first one to then market the second one. And I've got the keys. I'm literally going to pick the keys up after this. Um, the next one and that one, there's people already sort of queuing up to rent that one out as well, which is pretty good news. And and do you have an in-house power team that does the refurbs and you like um, have people that yeah. you have contractors you work closely with? Yeah, I've got a set um, group of builders that we work with all the time. Um, so the same mortgage broker, same tax advisors. Um, so yeah, that works well. Uh, we sell, we manage in-house, but I um, let, let an agent sort of do the marketing of the properties. I've got a lot of close relationship with him as well. Um, so yeah, it works really well. What would be, for anyone looking to start out in property, what would be your sort of um, top tips for sort of getting a reliable refurb team and working closely with agents as well to find deals for you? What sort of tips would you give? Um, just to be open and honest on the, you know, if you don't like something, just say straight away, I found that's kind of the best. If you start with that, just say, look, I don't know what you're doing here and try and nip anything in the bud sooner rather than later. Um, and then obviously when you're starting a refurb, get some good quotes from people. Don't go for the cheapest or the person that sort of seems like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, no problem. You know, you want a professional company. You don't. I, I used to use builders that were kind of like um, day rates or cash in hand type people. That's no good. It's okay maybe for your first couple, but then they're just chucking invoices at your left, right and centre. There's no structure. You need a professional building company that will come up and they'll put fencing around your site. They'll put hard hats and warm, you know, Everything they've got a set and um, person that deals with all the invoices, they can tell you what the cost is going to be as a total build project, and that's what it is. There's no hidden costs or there's a contingency that you use if anything does go wrong, that's the budget. 
Um, you can't just be on a day rate because if it doesn't get done today, they'll do it tomorrow or the next day or the next day. The, the costs add up massively when you do a refurb like that. Absolutely. It's like that plasterer. You, the plasterer comes in, you say, what do you think? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> well, I need to know. Give me a price. Oh, can't give you a price. How long will it take? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, sure you will. <laughs> so good good tips for people is yeah, working with good builders, a clear price, clear structure. Um yeah. so in over the last sort of four years since you you kicked off doing HMOs, um, are you really focused on scaling that? Because a lot of people, what they do is they start to do all these other different strategies. Sometimes they cut themselves too thin. Um, are you very much focused on just that one clear strategy that yeah. becomes a cookie cutter, or are you looking to scale into other things? No. So we've basically spent the time, sort of, we've done a couple of flips, we've done some professional HMOs, and now we've found this student model. This is where we're, we're now focusing on that, and we want to put all our eggs in that basket. And we're now going to be sort of trying to scale up massively this year and next year and just focus on the student properties. I like the model of the student properties as well because you're, um, you know, if you've got a professional HMO, no one knows each other. So you could have one guy come in. He seems nice on the sort of the face of it. And then he comes in, he doesn't quite get on with room one, room two, or, you know, there's arguments with a student property. They're second year students. They know each other straight away. So you don't have that. You get a 12 month signed AST um, from September. And then Christmas time comes around, and then they're all the students are already looking for a new tenancy. So then you're signed up from that Christmas for nine months ahead of yourself for a whole twelve months, just unbelievable, mm. uh, really. And then you know you don't have the problems of people coming in, and you know that property is rented for twelve months. And in in Norwich, have you any any um, around the universities? Are they building any of those big student complexes that offer like the yeah. swimming pools and all that sort of stuff? There the is, uh, but they are. Just like little prison cells, really. You know, it's yeah. a little bit blurry, but they're horrific. They've got awful sort of light. They're just not. They're expensive. They're really not nice. Because a lot of people starting out in property, they say to me, um, it, "You know, can I compete with these?" But really, you're offering a different model. You're offering a different type of product, yeah. don't you? Yeah, very different. You know, we're. Um, I've got done a drone, some drone footage the other day. We take videos of our properties, and the drone literally goes back. The university is literally the next on the next road along, so we're a lot closer. Um, the finish is a lot nicer, um, you know. And they actually come in and they're grouping us their house, so to speak. It's not you know they don't just get a room; they get the whole house. Hmm. Um, what would you say to anyone who's thinking like about getting started in property, about whether um, you know they they can make it in today's market, they can make cash in today's market? What sort of tips would you give somebody who's looking to get started and thinking, can I do it? Um, I think that a good thing would be to actually sit down and think, instead of just chucking everything into it and actually think, what is your, you know, what do you want from it? For a monthly income, are you looking to create big chunks of money? You almost need a vision. There's no point in just going, yeah, I'm going to do students, I'm going to do professionals, I'm going to do flips. And if you're already working a 50-hour job, have you got any time at all? Are you going to quit your job? Or you know, where do you want to be in three years or even one year? So what do you now need to do now, you know, that month, that month, that month, that month? As you can see behind me, I've got a board there. That's everything on that side is the things that I've got to do by this week. And that's got to be ticked off by Friday. So literally, I'd sit there and be like, what I need to do by Friday is that. And then anything that doesn't help me achieve that, I just don't do. Small things, like tiny little jobs, I just don't worry about them. I only do the things on that board. You've got awesome. To You've got and to um, sort of the, 
have you got a, a, you know, you mentioned there about the, you know, what am I trying to achieve? What sort of income am I trying to achieve? Are you, have you got like a set goal of income where then that's it? I'm going to go lie on a beach or are you going to, are you the sort of, there's no end. It's just, what's the exit? Um, yeah, I mean, we're just trying to scale at the moment. I have got, I won't worry about how, but there is a, a one to two, uh, you know, a three to six month, a one to two year and a five to 10 year, but I won't bore you and read it all out. But we're basically just trying to scale and honing on the, because we're now, we're basically in the, the buying stage at the moment. And then we need to get the processes. The processes are good at the moment, but really start to get good with the processes and start to, um, you know, outsource some of the stuff. At the moment, we're doing everything in house. So eventually it'd be good to sort of get some employees outsourced, get investor money and just really scale massively, to be honest. Okay. And um, where do you see opportunities in the market at the moment, obviously, coming out of coming out of COVID, um, the way the, the budget's just been announced recently and stuff. So where, yeah. do you see any like sort of wormhole opportunities out there at the moment? There seems to be a really um, good scope in Norwich for us to actually buy um, properties that, we wouldn't necessarily, that aren't that close to the university, so they're a little bit cheaper, but to then actually turn them into a HMO, get a license on, you know, get a license tenant the properties and then actually sell them on. You find there's quite a lot of sort of out of town investors that are paying really top end prices, mm. really, really good prices for um, fully tenant properties. So that I think is a good opportunity. And um, people seem to be paying over the odds massively for student properties at all, you know, normal sort of houses by the university. But I think now they're doing it because we're now at March, it be March, April, May, June before they get the house and do a refurb and get a tenant for this year. So in about one or two months, that will now, the prices will hopefully start to drop again and people. The problem is for student properties is that, you know, they have to be ready for sort of January sort of time. And, and um, for, for anyone who's thinking in their area so like that do they need to go out of area should they invest locally in your opinion obviously you invest local is there any reason why or what are the key benefits maybe that you invest local rather than sort of trying to do it remotely because often you see people are looking to do stuff remotely and um maybe they're not looking close enough to home first but what's your yeah. thoughts on remote investing versus um local investing so the first one, the first property we bought was 45 minutes away. I mean, even that doesn't sound far. But on a Saturday morning, if you're working Monday to Friday, and on a Saturday morning, you've got to go 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back, and do a small job. That's got your Saturday morning gone. Quite quickly, that 45 minutes becomes a long distance. So me personally, I'd rather do something on my doorstep, whether you know, shooting properties might not work on your doorstep, but then professional properties will work, or that doesn't work, flips will work, or... You know, there's something that will work on your doorstep, and I'd highly recommend investing close to home just for if you do need to go there for whatever reason. Mm. It's all you know, I struggled when it's even 45 minutes away. Yeah, I like that because um, I always say to people is it there's something that works where you are, and you've just resonated with that because it, yeah. a lot of people they they trying to do what they love. And they go remotely to do it when actually you don't necessarily need to do what you love. You need to do what works and you'll fall yeah. in love with it because yeah. it, it works. So yeah. um, did you, you, you seem to have found your model quite quick. So you did the professional a couple of times, then you moved over to the student market. Is there any reason you went for, hey, did you find it quick? I guess is the question. Did it take a bit of time to, no. to get the model right? And is there any reason why you started initially with HMO over like the single let, for instance? 
um, just for cash flow, basically. So I've always wanted to try and build up cash flow so I could leave my job. So I knew quite early on that was my goal. Um, so then we went, there's nothing wrong with professional HMOs. It's just that the student model just works better. And it's just a you know a neater model for us. It's closer to us. Um, you don't get any bad feeling from any new tenants moving in. You get a guaranteed rent for 12 months. You know, whereas with, especially with coronavirus and stuff, when the tenant does leave, it's quite awkward to then get them to come back in, you know, to the market the property. There's sort of bad feeling with people not wanting anyone to come in, which is, you know, quite rightly so. But it just seems a bit more awkward, whereas a student property, you know, is rented for 12 months. From Christmas, so, you know, from Christmas time, you know, there's rented nine months in advance for 12 months in front of that. So, you know, it's guaranteed rent. And with with um, COVID restrictions and stuff and the university is shutting down, did you have any um, tenants looking for like negotiating on the price? Did they continue to pay? Um, how did you cope with that period of time? Yeah. So there was the option for people to kind of, you know, we sort of said, does anyone want to go back or whatever? And the feeling was that why would we want to go back and sit with mum and dad in the house when we're with all of our friends here in our own house? You know, for, you know they're sort of 18, 20 years old. That's their first property that they lived in. Why would they want to? Um, that's all the sort of answers we got which is good okay awesome so um sam re- just conscious of your time obviously I, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing a little bit about your journey to try and inspire people who are looking to start off so some really good golden nuggets in there for people around um you know pick something that works close to home and um, focus on one thing keep yeah. moving on that one thing give me sort of two or three t- other top tips you'd say to somebody to you know help them with that focus and that clarity at the start of the journey yeah I'll work out what you need you know work out actually what you're doing it for don't try and chase you know things all over the show work out exactly whether you want to whether you need to leave your job so then you'll need monthly income so then you need to high cash flow and you know thing is what you need and then once you've then got that work towards achieving that, you know, you've got a yearly goal. What do you need to be doing this month to hit it? Always do a calendar. You want to be buying a property in, say, March, let's say. You need to be putting the offer in in start of January. So from before that, you need to be doing the viewings. You know, you can literally plan it out on a calendar. If you want to buy three properties a year, you can't just start going out for viewings six months through the year. You know, you need to be going three months before you want that property to actually have the keys it's quite a lot of work before you get the keys to visit you know people always sort of assume as soon as you've got the keys oh that's when the work starts but actually the work started three months previous to that and you know in the finance you're doing the solicitor stuff you're doing the mortgage stuff um so i try and actually work out what your vision is plan on the calendar and then go from that so we always look you know if we want to be buying a property in um june we're sort of putting offers in sort of february march and then sort of work out how long the refurb's going to take and sort of go from there, really. Awesome. So, um, Sam, thank you for taking the time to join us. If anybody's looking to, to follow Sam's journey, I'll be watching it closely as well. Is um, He's a member of the Progressive Property Facebook community. There's over 35,000 people in there. So um, if you're not already on it, go join the Progressive Property Facebook community. Watch what Sam's posting about. Watch his journey, but also share your journey as well. We'd love to know what you're up to in property. So Sam, thank you for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Um, Thank you everyone for listening. I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been absolutely awesome. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, guys.